Hey, Redeem Church, it's Kurt and I back again for another episode. We were thinking actually, what should we call you guys? Redeem Nation, Redeem Army. I don't know. I think we're going to go with Redeem Army because I'm I'm Team Army. But yes, okay. So hey, Redeem Army, we have an amazing episode for you today. You're going to recognize this guy's voice. He has visited us a couple of times. So glad to have him. Kurt, would you tell us who our special guest is? Yeah, so we have Big Al Cherry, and he's actually been on our list since the beginning, since we started this podcast, to interview because he rocked our world uh, when he was last here, right before the coronavirus. We talk about him coming back. We are planning, hopefully, getting him back because we love him. But he also shares about his, his story again, about how he grew up, but also what got him into music and gives us a ton of advice on reaching the next generation, but then also how to use our creative gifts for the kingdom. And I think it's really a great interview for everyone that listens. The one thing that I will say is that we also get into how the coronavirus has affected him. So there's a couple of things that we're asking you to do as a redeem team or redeem army after this one, we want you to get on um, and follow him on the big Al cherry on Instagram um, and then also he's getting, he's put a bunch of new stuff on YouTube, including a new song on Christmas Eve and on Spotify right now, he has a, uh, all his stuff streaming and he has a new uh, album out called Alfred. So we get into all that, but I just want to make sure that before we start, we hit up everyone, go on, follow him and make sure you share his music. All right. So now on to Big Al. Well, hey, everyone, we are so excited because Liz and I are big fans of our guest, Big Al Cherry. Thanks for joining us, brother. Hey, man, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, well, we really have wanted to have you on since we started this thing when the coronavirus hit because we we, we, we really do love you and you have blessed yeah. our church so much. Um, the first question, and I think many people heard it when you were here, but you rocked our wor- wor- world last time you were here. I guess that was like right before the coronavirus hit. Um, right before. I know. Yeah. Uh, got lucky. But, yeah, right. you have a powerful story of how you grew up, but can you just share a little bit of, of, about Big Al? Yeah, man. You know, um, I tell people a lot of the times that I'm a product of a broken home. You know, my mom and dad were, were married when I was born and they divorced. Um, by the time I was three years old. So my mom had the daunting responsibility of raising my older sister and I on her own. Uh, Well, my older sister and me on our own. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things, man, where, you know, you got a young black single mother who was trying to raise two kids. Uh, She actually gave into something that my grandfather had asked, and that was for her to move back in and into the house with my grandparents and basically take care of my grandmother because he knew he was ill. And, wow. uh, and so he died not much longer after their divorce. And so, um, you know, I was in a house with uh, three older women, you know, my grandmother my mom and my older sister. And so, you know, just, uh, that, in, that dynamic was, was, uh, kind of, uh, cool, but weird all at the same time. And then of course, you know, my mom being single started dating and, uh, she started dating a few guys and, you know, the one that really kind of won her heart and was available for her was one that I wasn't too fond of. And uh, I remember um, when she told my sister and I that she was going to be marrying this particular gentleman, uh, my sister was kind of on board with it, just kind of like, you know, mom, you're grown, you can do whatever you want to do. But I was not at all a fan of it. And, uh, 
but because it was my mom, you know, you just kind of go with it. And you're like, okay, it's, it's not a problem. And so, you know, we started, you know, building a relationship with this guy as best we could. But, you know, a few weeks prior to them getting married, uh, while my mom was actually expecting uh, my younger brother to come along, mm. um, you know, they, they got into this physical altercation where he literally knocked my mom out in front of us. And so, um, you know, that night we just knew that their relationship was over with, it was done, and that was going to be that. And uh, later that night he was back into the house. And so uh, we knew that we didn't know, but going into it now, looking back on it, you know, we, that was the start of a pattern of uh, physical and domestic, you know, and uh, uh, verbal spousal abuse in our home. And, and then it kind of spread to us. And, you know, my dad, my dad um, lived in our community, lives in our community, uh, was raised in a totally different family and, and got remarried and was doing seemingly well. We were in a very uh, low economic, you know, socioeconomic place, community. Uh, we were in the hood, you know, um, uh, we were in the place that people were told, you know, you don't want to be there when night falls. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a interesting life. And, from that, I got introduced to quite a few things. Uh, I got introduced to alcohol. I got introduced to marijuana. Uh, I was not a fan of marijuana. And so marijuana was easy to kind of get rid of, but I did start drinking alcohol. And uh, by the time I was nine years old, I started really consuming alcohol. And into middle school, I was a, you know, I was a functioning alcoholic, you know, and uh, it was it was pretty crazy that I was able to hide everything that was going on in my life because I I, uh, I had really good grades. You know, I was one of those people who was very fortunate to test well. And so it would put me in different environments uh, beyond my school system and beyond my neighborhood. And so, um, you know, I had like a 4.0 GPA. And so nobody really looked beyond my grades to know that I was hurting, you know, and know that I was uh, stressed and, you know, all the things that were going on. So. Uh, that and then I, I was very charismatic, you know, just, you know, had a personality that people didn't care to know, you know, anything beyond that. So, um, you know, yeah. I was quietly fighting, you know, depression, low self-esteem, all the stuff that was going on at home. And, you know, they kind of festered and it grew until, you know, when I was 15 years old, I attempted uh, to take my life. You know, mm -hmm. I, uh, I attempted suicide at 15 years old. And, and uh, less than a year after that, man, you know, there were some some young people at my school who were listening to some some gospel music, and um, and it was weird because the gospel music had a little a little more of a bump, a little more of a beat to it than than regular. And so um, I was kind of I was like, yo, what is that? And they told me what it was, and ended up getting this project that I ended up getting the wrong one, but it was the right one for me. And you know, in my bedroom listening to this gospel project, I just begged the Lord to whatever I was feeling right then to let me feel that for the rest of my life. And so um, at the age of 16 years old, less than a year after suicide, I became a believer. I gave my life to Jesus in a very uh, non-conventional, unconventional way. I did it in my bedroom while I was listening to gospel music. And so from there, it started this, uh, this love for wanting to know who God was and uh, strive to, you know, do whatever I could to make sure that I, uh, was one of those people who shared the gospel regardless of my age and regardless of what was going on and wow. whatever way I could. And so um, that kind of led into me joining campus ministry when I got into college. And then after that, this big Al thing started happening. And, 
And uh, I started making my own music and sharing that and using that as a tool to to be a witness, you know, the great great works of the Lord and, and how he had brought me out, how he's yet still bringing me out because, of course, you know, life hasn't stopped, so challenges haven't stopped, you know, the enemy hasn't stopped, so, you know, I'm still, you know, still being brought out of situation after situation uh, because of the grace and mercy of God, so. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. You, I've heard your story now probably like three times because you shared with us at Redeem when you came to visit, and um, it's so, it's, it's, um, it's a really impactful story because there's so many different components to it. And I think you right. had said this another one of the time, one of the the second time you came is that you really felt like the Lord just had favor on you from from the beginning, just this sort of protection over you. And when you said that, I, I could really see that too, just how he had marked you for a purpose at a young age, just giving you these really tough experiences and then showing his like his really his power to get you out of that in such a big way. And so Going in, you mentioned the Big Al thing, making music. I imagine you love music always, probably. And then you're listening to, to gospel music. So when you started making music, did you automatically already have a style? No. Or did your oh, style, like, what? how did the Big Al style thing happen? So let me say this, uh, two things. I'm going to go back to what you alluded to. You know, one of the things that I recently, uh, just in the last few years, found out about my life was that uh, my grandfather had apparently told my mom one day, apparently I was sitting on his lap and he told my mom to take care of him. As far as she was, he was talking about me. And he said, he told yeah. my mom, take care of him. He is going to be a man of God that's going to change the world. Take care of him. Wow. And, you know, my, my grandfather was a very, uh, he was a part of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, to have him say that about me, I, I don't even, I never knew anything like that um, ever happened in my life. So I believe that there's a, a, a covering, definitely, you know, still to this day, there's a covering over my life and, and favor on it. Uh, when I first started doing music, <laughs> okay, so it's fun fact okay. about Big Al here <laughs> is that I am a huge country music fan. Okay, uh, so, I love it. So, so this, is, this is just what it is. So I used to get ridiculed in my home because I used to listen to Loretta Lynn and Kenny Rogers and Conway Twitty. And all of a sudden, they'd be like, what are you listening to? Like, <laughs> it was yeah. I used to listen to that. And then, of course, I did listen to rap. I did listen to R&B. And, and so my favorite genre of music uh, is possibly gospel. But possibly outside of that, it's R&B. And then it's country. And then it's, you know, saying maybe hip-hop. So hip-hop is at the the low like the lowest level of music that i enjoy yeah. right yeah. and so when i first started doing music i was really trying to fill a void of you know what i wasn't experiencing here so uh when i first started doing music i was singing i was not rapping okay. and it was more of an r&b feel so it was like i was really trying to go for uh i was trying to replace uh, missing Boys the Men and Jodeci now in my new Christian faith because, you know, at the time I was like, oh, I'm going to go to hell if I listen to them. So, but I missed them so much. So I was like, okay, what if I do what they do and I sing Jesus' name? You know, like is what it was. So when I first started, I was singing. And, uh, and so I taught school for a number of years before coming to radio. Uh, I taught high school mathematics. And so uh, I would I would literally try to introduce my students 
to music that they had never heard, um, Christian music that was R&B or that was hip hop. You know, that we get them like, what in the world is that? Like, who is that? You know, I wanted to expose yeah. them to that. But at the same time, I would slide one of my songs in. <laughs> like, you know. So one day I slid a song in and one of my students said, Mr. Cherry, is that you? And I was like, yeah. And then yeah. he starts laughing. And I was like, what's funny? And he was like, you cool or whatever, but your beats are whack. Uh-huh. I said, whack? I said, man. I said, man, I'll wreck any beat. And so when I said that, he then... The next day, he came to school with a blank CD that had like 19 instrumentals on it. These were all mainstream songs, uh, instrumentals that he brought me. So I literally, I'll take the charge. <laughs> I gave my students in all of my classes busy work that entire day. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat at my desk and I started writing to these beats. And so when I left work that day, I went to Office Depot and I got this Logitech headset microphone had this Adobe audition program on my laptop and I literally held a quilt over my head and I started recording to these songs but these were all hip-hop songs in the 80s so it's all raps so yeah. I started doing these raps and so I recorded them I bring back four to school the next day and I and he was like Miss Cherry did you get them I said I'm gonna get all of them but I got these four right now so I put one on and these kids oh my god yo Miss Cherry let me get a copy let me get a copy so I just started making copies of it now I'd already had an album out but I started making copies of that. And before I know it, this door started opening yeah. where people were like, oh my God, we want to have you come to our church and do hip hop. And it was yeah. like, huh? It's like, we, like, your song's okay, but can you, come, can you come and do the rap? And I was like, okay. And so that's how I know like that was what I was called. And that's what I am called to do because it's like, that's like the, the, the least form, like the least favorite on my favorites list. Hip hop is the least favorite, but hmm. it's, it's what I do. So Ooh, now I know the word I have for you is for you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, anyway, go ahead. No, the, it's amazing because the next question really fits into this. Uh, what you just shared. So I, I know this from um, past time with you. You you excelled in school. You excelled in mathematics, but you also had this like creative side to you. Um, and I know that's Which always makes been me like crazy. A, yeah, exactly. But it also, it also is this, I think many of us are wired that way in the kingdom and art and creativity allows you to reach people in a, in a unique way. And so one of the questions we had for you was, what advice would you give to a believer um, as they're kind of trying to figure out how do they use these creative gifts for the kingdom? How do they use these creative gifts to reach people? How do you, how did you make that decision to, really go all in on being a creative artist um, to to reach people. Well, see, that's the thing, man. I've always, when it, when it came and when it comes to Christ and my call, like everything about me has been all in. So it was never like the, the music was the thing that like, like, like when, when music came along, it was like, I went all in, just like yeah. I went all in on the campus doing two by two evangelism when I was in college, you know what I'm saying? And just walking up to random people like, hey, yo, do you know Jesus? Like, you know, I was just that guy. So going all in, you know, it's just a part of who I am. I feel like regardless of if it's your the creative arts or if you are, you know, whatever it is that you do for Christ, go all in. Like, don't have any apprehension to it. Now, I will say this, 
if if there's a thought that going all in means that you know well i'm gonna put all my eggs in this basket and the creative arts is going to be the only thing that i do and i'm going to do it 100 well i can't say that that was my story because i've been um how do you say it i've, I've had multiple positions of employment and places of employment while i've been doing this you yeah. know and so uh because still hip-hop is a very acquired taste and you know even even more so when you start dealing with like uh church people so because of that it's like i haven't been one of those people who uh has gotten to a point where i can financially just sit in the area of my creativity and just say i'm okay you know what I'm saying? Like I, I can live life like this or whatever. So, um, but the the way you do it is just to do this. Start, you know, like the you just start. Like I remember somebody was like, "What was your plan of action?" I have no idea. I can't lie. Like the my plan was this right here. Whatever I do, I do it in a spirit of excellence as unto the Lord. So it's like, look, if I'm gonna do the music, then I may as well do my best. If I'm gonna tell people about the Lord, I may as well do my best. If I'm gonna teach mathematics, I may as well do my best because regardless of what field of study that I'm in or what place I'm in, I am always a representative of the kingdom. So if there's anything that I want you to always know about the kingdom is whether I'm in school, whether I'm on a platform, whether I'm on a stage, whether I'm in a studio, or whether I'm in this office. Everything that I do is to represent the kingdom. I'm going to do that with excellence. So I just started. So just yeah. start. Like, you know, even if you, yeah, I know there's fear there. I mean, there was, there was, there was more fear for me after I started than it was to start. It was like after I started was when I started thinking, oh my gosh, is this good enough? Are they going to accept it? Are people going to see anything? Are they going to buy it? Are they going to listen to it? And everything like that. But yeah. to just do it, just go for it. And I promise you, you know what I'm saying? If your heart and your intent is to use this, to, to strengthen, to expand the kingdom, then God's hands is going to be on it. You know what I'm saying? And then you just keep at it. You just do it excellently and you do it as unto the Lord. That's how I feel. Yeah, I have a follow-up question for that. And I'm glad you mentioned the fear part. And I'm going to kind of try to wrap in this question and bringing it back to some of the, the depression you felt when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Is there... So I guess when I'm thinking of this question and who we're talking to, I'm kind of thinking of younger kids right now, but really it could be anyone who who has a dream and is like you saying going for it putting yourself in it i mean just do it with excellence but then you mentioned you're also having to do these other jobs that are not really a part of that calling right so what's some like tough love advice what are some of the emotional journeys you've been on um in the process where you know you're working towards what you're interested in and what your calling is but you're having to do this other stuff too is there Kind of putting that all together is there some depression in that is there some like what's the tough love uh, advice you can give for the emotions people might feel <laughs> if i could tell you how many times i've quit oh you have no idea you know where i called my, my manager and i was like yeah i'm done i can't do this anymore i can't take it another day you know you know i mean you know the the tough love is uh in 2010 i know this may sound weird and i don't i don't try to be a weird sounding person but this is exactly what i felt in, like impressed in my heart from the lord it was as if he said to me stop chasing dollars and chase change that 2010 i haven't written down don't chase dollars chase change 
That's so because good. what I had to understand was that because of the fact that hip hop itself is such a niche genre of music and Christian hip hop even more so was that, you know what, you're probably not going to break the bank doing this. You know, you're probably not gonna, you know, get, you know, you're probably not gonna even get acknowledged. You're probably not gonna ever get nominated for these great Grammy Awards and American Music Awards and everything like that. You're doing Christian rap, so you know what I'm saying. Like, you have to understand that there's not much money in this. And so, the tough love is it is in it is this right here. Make sure that it's something that you would be doing, even if you could never get a dime for it. Okay. And that's the way this is for me. It's like, I don't know. Again, here we are in the pandemic. I had 19 events canceled this year. Mm. As, I mean, when I tell you the financial burden that that caused for me this year, yeah. it's like, you know, if I can be honest, I'd just be like, man, I'm, I'm through with it all. Like, I'm just going to go out here and do whatever I can to make money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, ultimately, this isn't about me making money. It's about me making a difference. So I don't chase dollars. I chase change. I want to see the hearts of people change. I want to see the mentality and the thought life of people change. I want to see people encouraged to go for it, to push, to you know do something that they feel in their heart is worth doing, regardless of if the money is there or not. And so that's just what it is. So I've I've been that person where you know. Uh, you know, my, my teaching career was, you know, the thing that helped finance what it, it yeah. is that musically. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, I never could have done a lot of the things that I was able to do had it not been for, you know, that particular undergirding. I know that, you know, there's this this big kick in, in uh, especially in social media land right now, where they use these excerpts where people like Eddie Murphy have said, I never had a plan B. Yeah. And when they say that, I just say, God bless you. I played football when I was in middle school. And I remember uh, one of the offensive linemen from the New Orleans Saints came to speak to our school and everything like that. And he said, your football career is not going to last your entire life. He said, on average, you'll spend seven to eight years in the league. He said, now, although you can make great money, he said, you need to be able to do something besides play football. Yeah, that's exactly what he said, and that was you know somebody to make millions in sports. So I was just like, yo. Ever since that day, I was like, you know, when I, when the music started, I always had this thing where I just always believed a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. I refused to not have anything, any type of grounding or you know security. And I know people use this uh, this story in the Bible. And they, they use it to tell people to like leave their careers and you know pursue things. They say, you know, um, uh, they talk about when Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And I'm like, yeah, but he walked on the word. He didn't walk on the water. Yeah. It was Jesus's okay. word that he walked on. That's the firmest foundation that you could ever stand on is the <laughs> word of God. So you know what I'm saying? That he wasn't, he wasn't telling him, walk out here into this water where you know you're drowning. It was like the word was come and that come is what kept him. And so my thing is that this right here, when I'm walking in the word of God, yeah, it may look weird and it may look like I'm in some, 
situation that you but I have this foundation that you probably can't see with the waves, you know what I'm saying? And so I believe in having the foundation laid. And so that's just I have something to stand on. And so um, that's just that's just the tough love thing of it. You may not make a million dollars, you may not make ten thousand dollars from this, but if you're called to do it, then you'll be satisfied more than you'll ever know. Not that you won't have the days where you get down on yourself. Now, that you don't have the days where you start comparing yourself with the Bible tells us not to, but you do it, you yeah. know, and it starts to get rough and you start to say, why am I still doing this? And then, of course, you know, for a person like me, you'll hear it from other people as well. Why do you keep doing that, man? You can, you can go and do this and make so much money. And I'm like, hmm. yeah, but it's not about that. It's, a, it's about the change for me. And that's, that's really my story. That's awesome. That's that's great. And I think it's a really good word for, I think we have a couple of people in our community that are trying to figure that out. And so I think that's a really good word on how do you pursue what the Lord's calling you to uh, while making sure that you're providing for your family, that you're, that you're, that you are, are being uh, uh, humble in that pursuit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things, one of the things is I, I, I feel terrible about your 19 shows, bro. I, 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 pray for you actually often we we've gone back and forth and i'm just like man I, I just small business owners and artists and uh you know restaurants and it just it's just a time for us to support them uh but also um, pray for them but one of the things that when you're traveling i know one of the things that's probably a big joy is interacting with the next generation i know that's yes. where your heart is and and that's what i mean going from from school straight into campus ministry like it's always been in, in young people and in, in feeding into them and, and I think one of the things that we were trying to figure out um, is for anybody listening to this um, that's a believer, what are some things that you found, uh, uh, some important things that you found that really help you connect to the next generation with the gospel of Jesus? Oh, man, the, the, the number one thing is being myself, like without any airs, without any pretenses, without any lies, you know. Uh, I hate to, to use this phrase, but it's what you heard all the time. It, just being real, you know, being, being a human being to uh, in front of these young people. You know, I, I, I lived a lie for a long time in uh, trying to make young adults and teenagers feel like I was this perfect guy. You know, because, you know, how dare I being a leader? Uh, in ministry have anything other than perfection going on in my life. And so when I was able to start to remove those layers and those lies and start to just be like, yo, man, I didn't just struggle. I still struggle. You know, it's just that particular thing is what they identify with. And I'll be honest in saying this is not just for uh, the teenagers and the young adults is for the people in our generation and the older ones as well, because this yeah. is what we've done for so long, which is the reason why our Gen Z's and millennials are like, man, I'm through with church, man, because nobody's honest about, you know, their own, you know, if my righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord, then what, what is that feel? What is it? What is the feel? So when I started to tell them what the filth is and they say, yo, are you serious? Like you big out, you like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, seriously, you know? And so, uh, so, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I firmly believe that, you know, from the very beginning, 
you've got to be honest. Be honest, be open, be real. Second thing I would say is have character, which goes back, it piggybacks off the honesty. You know, make sure that your character is good because if if you are going to reach this generation, they're gonna watch a lot more than they're gonna listen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you can say all that stuff you wanna say, but they are going to look at everything that you don't say. Of course, we all know that the majority of communication is nonverbal. So it's like I don't, you know, these kids nowadays, they don't really care about what you have to say. They want you to show them and they're gonna watch, they're gonna pay attention to it. So you want to make sure that your character is in line, you know, with this next word. Your, you know, your integrity is is uh, you know up to snuff as well. So you know, I want you to be real. I want you to make sure that your character is you know on point with how real you are, and then that you have integrity. So you are the same person regardless of if these children are seeing you or not. You know, these teenagers are seeing you or not. These young adults are seeing you or not. Your peers are seeing you or not. That you are actually that same person and it matters it matters to them and so those are the things that i would say you know that you would definitely want to do to make sure that you reach this generation that's great advice they i have a my niece she was actually going to join us on this um uh podcast uh she's in school she goes to uw she's um 19 she's she likes to sing and she's in all that doing all that stuff she really wanted to talk to you today but yeah i do think um about her because I'm watching her growing up and she's definitely more of a watcher and like making sure the adults in her lives are walking their talk. Yeah. You know? they, I mean, just living it out. Otherwise like wah, wah, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what she, you know, I just listened to her like, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. We need to be real on all fronts. Like yeah. just with our stuff. Um, okay, so you, you were gonna have 19 shows. I'm assuming that is because you've got some new stuff up for us like can you tell us what you're into what your new album is and listen well let me tell you something this you know i call it the pandemic project you know (laughs) it actually it actually was two years in the making i i thought i was going to release it in 2019 okay so um so for it to um find its way into 2020 has been something very very unique but what ended up happening was in 2019 i recorded a song and then i recorded another one and i decided to scratch everything that i had recorded prior to that and uh, and so it was just like this whole thought process where you know I wanted to be wise as serpent and harmless as a dove with this presentation. And so I started to realize like yo, I need to just be honest. And this is really what it was. So I started doing an entirely new project, and we released it on September first. It is called Alfred. And uh, what's so crazy is I'm gonna do something really weird right here. That is the the cover art to it up here in my office. It is actually my kindergarten graduation picture. That is the, the cover art. You know, it says the cover art for the album, and that is my actual name. It's Alfred A L F O R D. A lot of people, you know, <laughs> it's so unfortunate because I'm a big black guy that most of the time people see Al and they just automatically assume Albert because of Fat Albert. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm not the fat one. I'm the big. So you know, it's just big out, but um, but it's a uh, it's a project. It's nine tracks strong, thirty minutes in length, uh, from top to bottom, and it's something that I tell people it's something that you can literally listen to while you're on your way to grab something to eat and come back home, while you're on your way to work, while you're on your way to school. Like it's something that you can listen to from top to bottom, and uh, it's just nice. a nice project of 
you know, just letting people know, you know, uh, some of the challenges that I have faced and that I am facing right now. And, um, and we, it was so fresh that we even have just so you know how fresh it was. We even talked about, um, the, um, the bombing in Beirut, Lebanon on the album. That's how current, you know, and yeah. how fresh the material is on it. And hmm. so, um, so yeah, so we shot a number of videos uh, to quite a few of the songs. The visuals are available on my YouTube channel, which you can go youtube.com, the Big Al Cherry, and uh, T H E B I G uh, A L C H E R R Y, and you can check out like all the visuals. And we have a new video that's coming out to uh, one of the tracks on the album, which is called "I Need Thee," which was my idea to put a, a mini movie onto an album. And, nice. uh, we're bringing that to to life with uh, this new visual that'll that'll premiere on Christmas Eve on YouTube. So oh, very excited about that. Right. But yeah, so the new the new album is out. Uh, it is available anywhere music is sold or streamed online. So there's iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, Title, Spotify, uh, all that. Search for Big Al, search for Alfred, and you can get it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, we're so excited about that. It just. Just to reiterate, and we'll do it on the front end too, but the Big Al Cherry on Instagram. Hit him up on YouTube is the best place to find uh, his music album, Pulling Ups, out now. Give it a like, give it a comment. But then Christmas Eve, when that drops, I'm actually really excited about that song. Uh, First day, just a simple like and a simple share. It really helps to spread the music, um, especially right off the start. So Christmas Eve. Be watching for that. We'll make sure to share it from Redeem uh, Instagram and, and, and socials as well to make sure that people get it. Okay. I appreciate it, man. All man. right. And you're well, coming hey. back to us, right? You're going to come so back. Again, and- man, look, you know, all that, all that Kurt or Dave have to do is say Big Al. And I, I know. That's I pretty know. Much all it is. They, they'll tell you, it's like, all they have to do is say Big Al. And Big Al says, I'm there. I love it. You're such a blessing to us, man. Well, hey, let us bless you. One thing that we do at the end of the podcast is Liz um, just kind of prays and asks the Lord for a word just of encouragement for our guests. So Liz, over to you. Yes, I know this is for you. You've confirmed it a couple times in this podcast, just listening to you. Okay, so there's a little backstory. Um, I was watching Voices of Fire. Have you seen it? Yes, yes, I have. It's amazing. And a little secret, this whole podcast, our little redeemed church nation, whatever community is going to learn is that if I could do anything for God or really on the planet, if, if like literally I, I would give up my house, not even, not my children, but I give it all up. If I could be like, I'm basically a gospel singer, like literally, <laughs> like if in my heart, that is what I am most passionate about doing. But God did not necessarily give me the gifts and talents for that. He has given me the passion for sure. And I definitely sing away in the shower, the car, what have you. Okay. So after watching Voices of Fire, I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown and I went, (laughs) I went into my prayer closet and I was like, Lord, why couldn't I just do this? Because I have so much passion for it. Okay. So then I'm praying and I'm giving it over to God and God gives me this word masterful, right? And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, yes, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I, I am not masterful. And this is about you really. I promise I'm getting there. Um, mm-hmm. I am not masterful at, at gospel singing or anything as such, but in my heart I am. And I felt like he was telling me, I see it as such what you were doing singing. I see it as masterful unto him, but I have given you things that you are called to do. 
So then he, he, he broke it down. Like think about the word masterful, like masterful that what we are called to do, we are excellent and do it at, do it as such when we are full of the spirit. And so being masterful and, um, then he had me think about um, where in scripture is this word masterful. And it's only in one verse in the Bible. And it's um, Ecclesiastes 12, 11. And it says, um, sayings from the wise are like cattle prods and well-fastened nails. This masterful collection was given by one shepherd. And I'm thinking over this word and I'm praying over you and I hadn't thought about this word in, in a little bit. And when I was praying over you, it was like, whoosh, this word is for you that, um, you're masterful. You are full of the master, but it's, but he has given you all those lyrics and he has given you all of that wise teaching in your heart and the lyrics that you have and the message that you have, they are like cattle prods and well-fastened nails. They are so effective to your listeners and they're holding things together. They're changing people's lives and changing people's paradigms and changing people's just like with, with your wise sayings. I mean, he's given you wisdom and you're putting it together in lyrics. And so you are masterful in your art. You are full of the spirit. Um, you've got these wise sayings. Uh, it's just a collection all given to you by God. And I just, I just know that that word is for you. And I hope that it blesses you. Um, I hope that like, you know, and you know this because you're, I kind of feel like when God gives me words, it might be similar to like you writing lyrics perhaps, but you get a word and you're like, okay, Lord, how do we build off of this? And what do you want to say? And I mean, I just know that the Lord has got lyrics for you for the rest of your life. I mean, is always, he's the source. He's your shepherd. He's always the one that's going to put those wise sayings into your heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, just be blessed by that. Ecclesiastes 12, 11. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, hey, we're so blessed to have you. We we consider you, uh, you know, redeemed South there in Louisiana. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> but definitely. we're just, we're blessed to have you in our lives. And so we thank you for taking the time. Everyone loves to hear from you. We'll get you back up here. Don't worry. Yeah. We, we just said it. So now we have to. So it's perfect. <laughs> I'll get on Dave on that. But once it's all this uh, with your new album and the coronavirus and all that stuff, uh, we just need to make sure that we get you up here. So Anyway, we hope you have a a great time and go listen to Big Al's uh, music, all right? Thanks, brother. God bless y'all, man. Thanks, man.